Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt as if you were the only one, it seems, who believes that there's a God? Have you ever felt as if you were the only one who truly believed in the gospel, who really believed that your sins are forgiven? Have you ever found yourself in that kind of a situation? I would venture to say by asking this, some of you may be chuckling by now, because considering how many phone calls I get from people and letters and emails that I get from people, I would say that just about everyone who I know has felt alone in their Christian life at one time or another, and in most cases people still feel quite alone, because believe it or not, there are very few people who actually believe what I am communicating here on the radio. What I am communicating in this broadcast is quite unique in the Christian world. If you were to just consider the radio station you're listening to right now and consider all the different ministries who broadcast on this station, I think you would acknowledge when I tell you that what I am teaching is a bit different from what everybody else is teaching on this radio station. And I am very thankful for the privilege of being able to broadcast on this station, even though I do deviate quite a bit on occasion from other teachers when it comes to the subject of the scriptures and it comes to the Lord Jesus. And I am, of course, very thankful for the privilege that the radio station has given me concerning this and that I'm not wanting to teach things that are not true. I certainly do believe in the things that I am presenting. And people's lives are being changed as a result of what they are hearing from these broadcasts. And so I would like to encourage you to continue to tell people about the programs that I am broadcasting and encourage people to listen to the program and Access the website that is online and download the radio programs. Contact me for audio CDs or get on my email list so that you can be informed as soon as I'm able to release something new to be involved like that. But, you know, whenever I talk with people, it's very common for people to tell me that it's very hard for them to find like-minded believers. It's very difficult. It's easy to find people who consider themselves to be believers. I mean, you can go to just about any church on Sunday morning and find people who identify themselves as Christians, and you can have some degree of fellowship with them. You can feel as though you're not completely alone in a certain way. But unfortunately, there are a lot of things that people believe that we just don't believe, that we don't share. And there are things that we believe that other people don't believe. There is a lot of variation in Christianity today, and certainly what I have been presenting on this program is no exception. But, you know, when I talk with people, this certainly is a burden. I mean, we do want to meet with other believers. We want to spend time with other people who do share our faith, who believe in the complete forgiveness of sins, who believe in the resurrection and what it means to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who do believe in the acceptance of our God and what that means in our lives. We do long to meet with people and share those things in common with them. However, there are a lot of people who just don't believe these things, who don't believe these things in the same way that we do. And so it's very easy to feel alone. 
And it can be very easy to feel envious of other people. It can be very easy to feel that way because there are a lot of churches, there are a lot of people who meet there, and while we may not agree with everything that they believe and they may not agree with everything that we believe, they have each other who together they believe the same things and so they feel as though they do have a sense of fellowship they're able to assemble together in large numbers and sometimes it's easy to envy that and to think about that and wonder you know why is it that i can't have a hundred or two hundred or five hundred member church where i can hang out with people like they do it's easy to do that i understand that i can relate to that very well you know for the first ten to fifteen years of my christian life It was very unusual for me to be able to find more than one or two other believers who I could meet with at any given time. And what I mean by believers is people who believe in the same way that I believe, who believe the gospel in the same way that I believe in the gospel, who believe the same things that I believe concerning law and grace and the acceptance and the love of our God. It was very unusual for me to find more than just a handful of people at any given time for many years And it irritated me sometimes when I would go and visit with other churches looking for somebody who I can share some time with, who had a common understanding concerning the scriptures as I did. And it was very disappointing quite often not to be able to find somebody who I felt that I could really assemble together with and have fellowship with. And you know what really made it even more difficult was when people would ridicule me because of that. They would speak to me as though I wanted to be alone, as if I wanted to be what they would call a lone ranger or something like that. They would speak to me as though it was something that I was really wanting to have, that I was wanting to experience, that for some reason I was just wanting to rebel against everything. And that just simply was not the case. It was not the case at all. It still is not the case. But I can recall so many times that people would speak to me in that context, and I think you can definitely relate to that. Many of you who are listening right now, I think you can really relate to the fact that where you have gone and where you go and the people who you associate with, they look down on you, don't they? I mean, they really do. They really they ridicule you, and they speak to you as though you're some kind of a second-class Christian or somebody who doesn't really take Jesus very seriously. And it just irritates you, doesn't it? Because you don't think they take Jesus very seriously. And they probably don't. They probably don't. All they really care about is whether or not you're assembling in the proper way, in the proper place, and acting in the same manner as they are, and that you value the same things that they do, that you're just like them. But what you're interested in is Jesus, and they certainly don't seem to portray a lot of him, that's for sure. And that's what you think, and that's what you know, and you're probably right. And for that reason, you can feel alone very easily, and even more so when people remind you of that. You know, one of the passages that people would quite often bring up to me was Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, where it says, Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That people refer to this and say, Do not forsake the assembling together with other believers. And you know what? For the most part, what I have always thought is, you know, I would really like to assemble with other believers. And so if you know any of them, if you find any, let me know, because I don't really feel that you're a real believer. I mean, you may be a believer in the sense that you're a Christian, and you may be a believer in the sense that you study your Bible, and you may be a Christian in the sense that you listen to Christian radio, and you listen to sermons all the time, and you're in church every Sunday. Fine. You know, if that's what's important to you, then okay, I won't... I won't ridicule that, don't get me wrong. 
What I mean is, is do you know any believers who truly do rest in the love of God, who actually believe in the forgiveness of sins in the way that I do? Do you know anybody like that? I mean, if you do, I'd love to meet with them. I'd love to see them. You know, I've been broadcasting on the radio for many years now, and I've been kind of surprised at the few number of people who I have actually met in the fellowships that I have established, that I have set up as opportunities for people to meet. There have been very few, and yet there are tens of thousands of people who listen to the radio program that I produce, and yet there's only a handful of people, very few people, who will actually take the time to stop in and visit with like-minded believers. I mean, there are a lot of you who are listening to this program, and I assume it's because you're, you're benefiting from the teaching that I'm presenting. If that's the case, then I would assume that you'd want to meet with some other believers, and you know what? I got a lot of opportunities to do that. And so if you'd like to contact me, call me on the phone, send me an email. I have information on my website concerning where people are meeting. There are opportunities. How important is it for you to be able to meet with like-minded believers? I mean, if you'd really like to do that now and you're hearing this program, I've got a lot of good opportunities for you to do that where this program is being broadcasted. And so please get a hold of me. But, you know, when people have spoken to me in the past concerning this, it has always really troubled me. Because people are more concerned about the assembling together than they are concerned about assembling with like-minded believers. And that's what's really bothered me a lot, because I really believe in Jesus. I really do. I really believe in him as a person. To me, he is more real than anyone. And I really want to know him in a greater way. And I really want to know him in such a way that I can really live in the conscious reality of who he is in my life and what he is doing, not only in my life, but in the lives of others. And I would really like to spend time, more time, with other people who believe that in the same way that I do, that that is the kind of assembly that I would really like to enjoy, but I don't get to enjoy as much as I would like. Now, I'm very fortunate that at the time I'm doing this recording, I've got several fellowships of people, and they're very good people, and I'm really thankful that I have the privilege of visiting with them and meeting with them and being able to spend time with them as I am able. And with the time that I've got available, I do make use of that when I'm not working. I make use of that to be able to spend time with other like-minded believers and be encouraged by them. But unfortunately, I'm not able to do that in large numbers like other people are. And so people find it very easy to ridicule me and to speak negative towards me concerning this because they don't believe that I am really assembling as they are. And because of that, I'm apparently violating this verse in the scriptures where I am forsaking the assembling together with others. But let me tell you something. I certainly would prefer, I would really prefer to meet with one or two other people at any given time who I share a true common faith with than to meet together with thousands of people who I may share a similar faith with, but we don't really trust and believe in the Lord Jesus in the same way. And to me, that is where I am able to obtain peace concerning this, that I am able to experience a great deal of peace knowing that when I assemble with other believers, I do assemble with other believers. Another thing that seems to be a little bit of a misnomer, something that seems to be assumed, is that church is where this happens. And I just don't see this being the case. I mean, what is the traditional church experience? You go in, you shake hands, you say, hi, how are you doing? 
You don't really get to involve yourself in a person's life. You don't really get to have a deep, involved conversation with anyone. I mean, that kind of assembly is nice, and it certainly can be encouraging in a lot of ways. But to be honest with you, I don't think that's what he's referring to. I, I really don't. I don't think that the writer of this letter to the Hebrews is talking about the big church setting. Because in a large environment, when there are a lot of people, the meaningful fellowship tends to be reduced. You don't really have that much of an opportunity to have a meaningful experience with another person. I don't believe that that's the case. And so, honestly, the way that I look at this is that when people speak to me concerning forsaking the assembly with other believers, I believe that if you think that that experience on a traditional Sunday morning in a church is assembling together in fulfillment of what is described here by the writer, I honestly don't think that that's the case. And so I don't think that you are fulfilling the expectation of the writer when he says, do not forsake the assembling with one another. Because I don't really see that as being meaningful assembly. I don't see that as being meaningful fellowship. So I believe that those who think that that's what it really is, I think that they are violating this verse, not me. That's how I look at it, honestly. And so when people have ridiculed me in the past, that's how I've dealt with it. I just I just tell myself, because I'm sure that they're not going to be interested in me saying that to them, I just tell myself, well... Personally, I would rather have the fellowship that I have than the fellowship that you have because I personally think that you are forsaking the assembly with other believers because you are not having any meaningful experience with anyone concerning your faith, as far as I can tell. If you think this is it, well, I'm sorry, but I don't. I just don't agree. I don't think that's it. I think that people need to assemble together in small groups, in small settings, and that that is the opportunity to have meaningful fellowship with one another where they can experience a true relationship with another individual and have a real opportunity to speak about their faith and to hear others speak about their faith and to grow mutually, to have a mutual growing experience as we share with each other what we have come to discover concerning our God, the Lord Jesus, what he has done, and what that means in our personal lives. You know, when I gather together in the fellowships that I was referring to earlier, the gathering there is wonderful, and I'm really encouraged by it. It does mean an awful lot to me. But unfortunately, in that setting, I don't really have much of an opportunity to have a meaningful discussion with people, just as I was describing that limitation that other people have in other settings. I mean, while the groups that I have are certainly quite smaller in magnitude in terms of numbers, as other congregations have, I still I still don't have that much of an opportunity. I try to get there early if I can. I try to stay late if I can. And in that way, I'm able to speak with people that I wouldn't otherwise and visit with people that I wouldn't otherwise. On Sunday mornings after the fellowship there, I tend to go out to lunch with people if I can. I do that in order to have a better opportunity to meet with people in a more personal way. And so I recognize fully that while other people struggle with this on Sunday mornings, I struggle with it now too. I do. I don't believe that the assembly that I see on Sunday mornings is that much different than other assemblies that people see on other Sunday mornings. The point is, therefore, that if we're going to assemble with one another, it's going to have to be done outside of the big assemblies that we have in order to experience what the writer is referring to. I really believe that. I really believe that when he speaks about assembling together and not forsaking that, as is the habit of some, 
I really believe that he's talking about meeting with other people individually in small settings, in small groups, one or two other people at the most. No more than two. If you're going to meet with them, if you have more than three people, if you have four or more, as soon as you get four people, you tend to have two conversations going instead of one. And so I encourage people to meet with no more than one or two. And I encourage this to happen during the week, not on Sunday morning, but to think about assembling together during other days, other times, and to do that on a small scale so that you can have a meaningful experience with other people concerning where you are and your faith and what the Lord Jesus is doing in your life and to be able to talk with people about what is happening in their lives and hear what is happening in their growth experience and be encouraged wherever they are at in their faith and in their maturity, regardless of where they are at or regardless of where you are at, but to just simply be thankful for the fact that we truly believe in the Lord Jesus, the gospel the forgiveness of sins, being set free from the law, and being able to live a life of peace and rest where we are loved by our God and accepted by Him, and to be thankful for all that He has given to us, and to live a life of discovery of what we have in Christ Jesus and how that may apply in our daily lives. I believe that that's the real fellowship that he is referring to. But you know, the writer to the Hebrews would need to mention something like this, honestly, because their focus back then was on the temple. It was on the synagogue. It was on the events, on the assemblies thereof, that people could get together even in homes on a large scale and still miss out on really having some sense of fellowship with each other, that people should not just simply meet in a large group setting, but should also meet in a small group setting, individually, and not forsake each other in that way, but use that as an opportunity to truly encourage one another in a greater way, which is why I believe he said it in that way in verse 25, this is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, there are times in people's lives when they certainly want to have a break, and they don't feel like assembling with other people. And I think that we should allow for that. I really do. I really do believe that there are many circumstances that people will find themselves in where they really do want to have a break and they need a break. You know, one of those situations has to do with the fact that when people grow up in a religious environment, when they grow up in a legalistic congregation, when they grow up in a in a religious environment that has put them in so much bondage, They've been buried under tithing and baptism and Christian volunteering and missionary work and evangelism and all the activities that can possibly be conceived of. And they've been doing that for so long that when they hear about the true freedom in Christ Jesus, sometimes they have just been so burdened, so beaten down by all the lies that they were told before that they just want to have a break. And I can appreciate that, I can encourage that, and I would encourage you that if you are starting to discover that you've been lied to concerning many things about the new covenant and about what the Lord Jesus has done for you, you're just newly discovering this, you're realizing how much bondage you were in before, and you're recognizing the freedom that you have right now, that if you want to take a break, take a break. If you feel the need to just simply be alone with you and your God for a period of time and not meet with other believers for a while, I think that's a wonderful thing. I do, as long as, of course, you're 
being attentive to what the Lord may share with you, then do that. Then be encouraged by that and spend some time taking a break from all the religion that you were consumed in and take some time to kind of decompress from all of that and let that fall off of you and let that fall away from your life. Take a break and just simply live with what you know the Lord has given to you and be thankful for that. But remember that there are truly other believers. There are others who are just like you, who have suffered in similar ways, who have broken through that and who have overcome that and who now live a life of freedom and joy and thankfulness and seek these people out. Seek these people out and build new relationships with them. In that way, you can continue to assemble with others in a new way, in a new light. And I do sincerely believe that if you truly want to meet with like-minded believers, that the Lord will provide them for you, that he will do that, that he will provide you with somebody. And if he doesn't do it right away, then be thankful and wait with great expectation that soon he will provide you with somebody who you can experience fellowship in one way or another. I really do believe that because I have seen that happen in my own life. And I believe he will continue to do that in my life in the future. And in the meantime, I'm certain somebody's going to mention this to you. They'll say something like, well, where is it that you're experiencing fellowship with other believers? Are you forsaking the assembling of one another? Are you doing that? Where do you go for fellowship? And you can just simply ask them, well, where is it that you go for fellowship? Because I don't think where you're going for fellowship and the kind of fellowship that you're experiencing is real fellowship either. And so I can ask you the same question. You know, if somebody wants to condemn you, you can condemn them with the same law, the same thing. But this is not about a law. This is about being encouraged. That the writer is not saying this to exercise some commandment of some kind. He's just simply mentioning it in the context of forgiveness, that if you believe that you have been completely forgiven, if you believe that you have entered into the new covenant, then remember the others who have entered in as well and continue to find others who may be willing to listen to the message of the new covenant and share it with them so that they can experience the same freedom that you have experienced. Trust in the complete forgiveness of sins and trust that you will be able to encounter other believers who you can have fellowship with and build fellowship with and be thankful for the time that you will be able to spend with them and be encouraged by your mutual faith that you have with other people. You know, the Hebrews would certainly struggle with this, especially as they grew in their maturity, as they grew in their understanding of forgiveness, because they would be separated from the temple. They would be separated from the other believers in a lot of ways because many of the believers were associated still with the temple. And they would find it very difficult to meet with other like-minded believers because they wouldn't know where to go. They wouldn't have the communication mechanisms that we have today. They didn't have the communication mechanisms that we have today. And so it was very challenging. It was very challenging for people who were set free from the law, who believed in the complete forgiveness of sins. All the more reason for people to meet together, all the more reason for them to continue to meet together as often as they find it realistic to do so, simply because there was such a limitation concerning the communication with other people. But, you know, the religious experience there in terms of assembling together was so huge and it was so important. It was all encompassed around the temple. For the writer to say the things that he is saying And for people to believe these things, it would require them to separate from the temple. And many of them would find it very difficult to do that 
because they wouldn't know where to go. They wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't know who to meet with. And I believe that the writer is saying this in a way of saying that it's okay to continue to meet with people outside of the temple. In fact, that it would be encouraged. Just as I was explaining earlier how it can be much better to meet with one or two people during the week. So also for them, it would be much better for them to meet with one or two people during the week to talk about their faith, to talk about what they were discovering in Christ Jesus. That this was not as common as I think you may believe that it was. That no, there was such a strong tie to the temple. There was such a strong association with that, that this would be a new phenomenon. This would be a very new phenomenon based on the reality of changed lives, of changed hearts. You know, before this, there was no opportunity for a changed heart, for a changed mind, for a changed person. All that they could look to, all that they truly had was the temple, was the tabernacle, the priesthood. There was no real depth of character within an individual. There was no depth of understanding of a person's God. That did not exist. And so as it would begin to exist, all the more reason for people to be encouraged. Look, meet with each other. And it's okay to do that outside of the temple structure, outside of the synagogue structure. It's okay to do that. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it's a wonderful thing and it's something that should be encouraged. It's something that you should not forsake. Do not forsake such an opportunity. Because as people would mature in their relationship with their God, as they would be transformed and changed, as they would become more sober-minded concerning reality, the reality of life, the reality of heaven, the reality of who they are, the reality of who others are, as they would become more sober-minded and more discerning concerning the realities of life, it would get very lonely very quickly, because that was not very common at all. To find other believers and to be told that it is perfectly acceptable to meet outside of the temple is something that they would need to hear, that they would need to know, that they would need to believe, and that they should be encouraged to do, and not just forsake everything altogether and to walk alone in their life, but to be encouraged, look, it's okay to assemble outside of that structure and to do so and to enjoy fellowship with other like-minded believers and grow in your faith together. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.